Hi, this is Katie, the Cloth Magician, and I'm coming to you live from the North Carolina mountains. I'm so happy it is spring of 2021. It's been a long time since I have really recorded any of these podcasts, so I'm so excited today because I have one of my favorite friends in the whole wide world who is the most amazing textile artist you'll ever get to know. I'd like to introduce to you today Dottie Moore. And Dottie is a woman who stitches thousands and thousands of stitches that create an amazing landscape, a reflection of her life reflected in thread. That's the only way I know to describe these uh, these incredible pieces that she makes. The first time I met her was at a show in Richmond in back in the 90s and I, the first time I saw her, one of her pieces it was a landscape piece with a bird I think a crow or a raven and it was the most compelling image in cloth I think I've ever seen. So I'm just going to turn it over to Dottie and start with, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you really navigated to textiles and how it evolved into the work that you have made. Take it away, Dottie. Well, that's an easy that's an easy one. All I have to tell you is that I was born in the southern part of the United States in 1940, and women in the South um, learned the needle arts back then, and most of them did, and, and it was encouraged. And my mother made my all of my clothes until I was in high school, and then I made some of them. And when I graduated from college, we sat down and tried to imagine if I had ever had a, a, a store-bought dress, a dress that it was bought in a store, and we couldn't even think of one dress. So I graduated from college with that history. So that gives you a lot. And, th and if you've ever made um, clothes, you know how many times you look through pattern books and how many times you go to cloth shops. The, but in the 40s and 50s, it would be the fabric department of the department stores. And you would uh, thumb through the patterns and you would finger the, the fabrics, all the textures. Um, it's a no-brainer. I'm a fabric artist. And so did your mother sew or did your grandmother? How did you learn how to sew? Um, my mother taught me, but, but it came down. Actually, I received some letters of my grandmother uh, a few years ago. And she was talking in the letters about the aprons that she was making and selling. Now, she also made clothes, but I love the, the letter talking about the aprons and selecting the, 
the fabrics and how much should she charge for the aprons. Um, so that was really fun to, to but my mother was the one that taught me to sew, but she also taught me that it will never be noticed on a galloping horse. Every time I would complain because something wasn't right, she said, it's fine. It'll never be noticed on a galloping horse. So she was not the kind of teacher that told me to take it out and start over. She told me just to keep going. Really good advice. Really good advice. So was it was it sewing and the the fabric arts that led you to create the magnificent pieces that you created or how how did that evolution take place okay so it's sewing clothes and then getting away from that and sewing for my children and then um when jay my oldest child was an infant i was a mother of a young child and i wanted to get out into the community. So I went and took a weaving class. And with weaving, I, I took all the classes. I joined a guild. I learned everything I could learn about weaving. And I thought to be a weaver, you had to know everything about everything. So I was very diligent with that. However, what is the first weaving project? It was maybe a placemat. What is a placemat? Over one, under one, over one, under one. Then I learned all those fancy stitches, et cetera, et cetera. And then when I quit weaving, what was I weaving? Tapestries. What is tapestry? Over one, under one, over one, under one. So when I came to fabric as a professional, I said, I'm not taking all of the classes. When I run out of ideas, I'll go take a class and learn something new. I went 40 years and never ran out of ideas. So I never took a class. So you were completely self-taught in terms of? Absolutely. I've, wow. I've never met, I'm a quilt artist, but I've never made a traditional quilt. From the very beginning, I wanted something on the wall. Now, what is interesting about that, that would be in 19, early 80s. But in 1776, when the United States had a bicentennial, a lot of people got interested in quilting. But because we don't need quilts as blankets as much as we used to, all over the United States and the world, women were beginning to quilt for the wall. And now it is a whole different category than traditional quilting, art quilts for the wall. And so it's like the hundredth monkey, if you're familiar with that story, where enough monkeys start doing things in one place and it catches on all over the world. Um, I was making art quilts when I didn't even know what, what it was called. So you just started making them, really not knowing. You, you just had an impulse to make these wall pieces. 
and you started from pieces of cloth that were already, you know, they were in the fabric store and you chose the pieces. And then at, over time, you started painting those pieces. Well, th there was a progression there. I was living on a beautiful farm overlooking the Cherokee National Forest at the time I began. So I did a series of wildflowers that I called banners because they were fairly small. And um, I made a lot of wildflower banners before I increased the size and, and added more ideas. Um, so I, I've, I've lost my train of thought. There was one other connection there, but but the the environment inspired the what I was going to do. I just wanted I was learning about all these wildflowers, and I wanted to express my joy of flowers. Wow, that's so interesting. I, and I know that you had an evolution with weeds. <laughs> Tell us about the, your connection with weeds. So the city girl moved to the country. We lived on this large acreage. Did I call it a farm? I think it's just acreage. The farmers next door would not have called us farmers. And um, oh my goodness. Look at those grapevines in the trees. I think I'll pull those down and see what I, I think I might have been the first one to ever make a grapevine wreath. And then I went to the barn and the farmer who had sold us the house, who really was a farmer, the beams were filled with baling twine. Well, I was a weaver. I can take, those are threads. I can weave those. I can braid them into 17 part braids or square <laughs> braids or round braids and, and do something with them. And I can do something with the horseshoes and the eggs, shells, these all of the, you know, pheasant eggs, guinea eggs. These are all, all different kinds of shapes, colors and sizes. I can do something with that. And so I created a line of small, uh, and there were the sheds on the farm with the weathered wood. Oh, I can, I can mount these weeds to the barn wood, to the weathered wood, and I can sell these. And you know, well now I'll have to tell my favorite story. In a very weak moment, feeling very insecure, I took eight of my little creations to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, which is a major tourist attraction. And I went up one side of the street and down the other, and I was turned down by every single shop in Gatlinburg, in Tennessee. I think I'd get a medal for that one. And so I was going home a failure but if you know anything about Gatlinburg, you know that on the main street, they have a lot of uh, trinket shops, spa, you know, imported uh, small items. They weren't interested in handmade. And on the way home on the edge of town, 
with nothing else to lose, I pulled into what was a craft gallery. And I laid my samples on the counter and the owner bought all of them. I drove home an hour and a half later and the phone was ringing as I walked into the kitchen. <laughs> and the owner said, I've sold everything. When can you send me more? So that was graduate school. I made so many hundreds and thousands of these craft items that I learned the discipline of, and the focus and the design and the and I was dealing with texture there too. So it was my graduate degree. And did you have anyone to to talk with, like a a, a mastermind or, or other people that were helping to guide you, or was it all your just you? All just me, and thank you because that was what I when I lost my train of thought a little while ago. We were in a small town. The fabrics that were available, you can imagine, were basic fabrics. And the thread was Coates and Clark dual duty. You know, <laughs> just regular sewing thread. That was it. And um, when it came to making these crafts, and I didn't tell anybody that I was going to try to sell them because my confidence was not very high. It was almost non-existent. However, when you're turned down to every shop, <laughs> it almost went to the to the pit. So thank goodness that some little angel on my shoulder said, try one more time. And then to have the courage to try one more time changed my life, Ch absolutely changed my life. Without that one more risk, without taking that one more step, I definitely would have gone home, gone back to graduate school and taught school, which was what I was trained to do originally. You know, I think that that is a very valuable thing to, First of all, being vulnerable to have the courage to step up again and go into that last shop after you'd had all those no's before the last shop. And also, I think that there's a parallel there with making art. It's like rather than giving up because what you see before you is like maybe not what you imagine. But, you know, having the courage to go back and really try again and be vulnerable and have the courage to create, you know, what can come out of that is true healing. Absolutely. And um, I cannot tell you how many times, because I so professionally, in fact, 18 years I did it in large art craft shows and you have to set up a booth you need to fill your booth and you have these two pieces you know I really am not happy with these and then you look at them and you say well there's nothing wrong with them they're 
technically just fine. Uh, but I don't, I'm not really happy with these. Oh, well, I really, I'll just take them just in case. And I hang them up in my booth and guess which two pieces sell first. <laughs> I can and imagine. The re- and the reason for that is that I had moved beyond my comfort zone and created something that I couldn't find what was wrong with it, but I couldn't like it because it was out of my comfort zone. And now I look at those pieces years later at the images and I'm thinking, yeah, they were just fine. They were good pieces. (laughs) I like them now. Yeah, it's just getting out of your own way is the, you know, just getting out of the way and quit again judging. Again and again and again. Yeah, I think that's so powerful and, and yet so hard, you know, when you create because you are, you know, you do judge what you, you make. And, you know, I... I think that's one of the things about being a creative person is having the courage to just keep going and not judging, just continuing, not judging, but just charging on, charging forward, you know, because it's hard. It's hard to have people give you bad feedback, you know, you have to keep you know, open to what is true. Yes, you do. So I'm I'm curious, you know, Dottie, because we've had a lot of in-depth conversations and a lot of time together, you know, in our lives to to really explore creativity. Um, Actually, we even had a, a an experimental group called the experiment we we got together and explored creativity in depth but you know for someone listening to this podcast which is you know heck i'm the cloth magician what can i say you know i know that cloth is a vehicle for transformation for those people who it doesn't matter if you work with cloth. Cloth is the vehicle for communication and healing. It announces who we are. It covers us and our crops. And it, it is just the most amazing um, material thing in our lives that really conveys emotion and comfort. And so, you know, you are a master at creating cloth, these incredible cloth quilts. And I invite everybody to go to Dottie's website because you just cannot even imagine the magnitude of the language of the stitches that she creates in these, these pieces. They're just, they're, 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 they're so meditative and so internal when you see them they just draw you in and so what i would ask you Dottie, is like what you know 
What do you think was like really the compelling thing inside of you that that took you to these depths? Because you, you know, th- these aren't ordinary pieces. They're extraordinary. And they, they come from a very inner place. So what can you share with our listeners about that inner place from which you draw so much? I needed a voice. I needed to come home to myself. Again, we go back to my environment in growing up when you went to school and you were expected to look and and act like everybody else. And you went to church and you were expected to look and act like everyone else. And you went to, uh, in your family, you you were expected to look and act like everyone else. And I just was feeling very uncomfortable in all of those situations. Uh, I also am a middle child in a home with uh, some fantastic and creative and beautiful creative extroverts. Um, And I, I needed a voice. And I found that I could work by myself and I could make them. And then I would, um, then that became my signature in the family. And then it grew into my signature in the community. Then it became, um, it just became my life. Um, I did not set out to, to, to be, uh, to have that as my identity. I just needed to have a voice. So much value there. Oh my gosh. Uh, I hope everybody's really getting this. Um, Cloth Nation out there. You know, what Dottie is conveying is that she needed a voice and found it through creating these magnificent cloth pieces and you can do that too in whatever expression that you have that fills you up it is possible within each of us if you have the passion to create with cloth you too can find your voice like Dottie did Dottie Thank you so much for all these valuable threads uh, that are interwoven in our conversation today. I am so grateful. And how can people from the Cloth Nation find you on the Internet so they can see your beautiful pieces? Uh, Dottie at DottieMoore.com. If you would like to connect with me I would be glad to hear from you and my website is www.dottymore.com but uh, Katie I'm going to have to check because last time I checked the gallery was down there is a video on there and if you type my name into Mr. Google 
there are plenty of images on, on, on the internet. Yeah. But my website, everything except the gallery, was working last time I checked. <laughs> In in closing out, Dottie, is there anything that you would like to offer our listeners about the value that cloth has given you in your life? It's we have had this discussion, Katie, so many times, and it's wordless. Just watch people. And notice yourself. Um, when I talk, I find myself just touching the dress or the skirt or the pants that I'm that I'm wearing. Um, I'm very particular about what fabrics I want on my bed or around me in clothing. Um, a friend was talking about my napkins the other day when she came over for lunch and I said oh I am extremely particular about napkins my napkins are not beautiful necessarily but they feel good and I want that napkin to have a feeling um I wish I could give it words but I think people understand what I'm saying and do you have any encouraging words for those cloth lovers that want to like take it to the next level and become more professional in their offering? What what would you say to them? Uh, don't take any more classes. Don't copy anybody until you absolutely are at a dead end and need that. In the meantime, trust your own instinct, trust your own voice, trust the uniqueness of yourself. We need, we need your voice, not anybody else's, or not your voice that, that looks almost like somebody else's. We need your voice. Oh, thank you so much, Dottie. I so love you, and I thank you for joining Cloth Nation today. And we will see you again on this podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kate.